0: The Expert level information and the education. Rev here we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climb the rules, everything around me. Cream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye. Now the world is your off. Coolest, coolest show you know. It's the hip hop calls.
1: Well, welcome to the podcast and welcome to this important conversation here on the coolest show. And I'm so excited to be joined by two friends in the movement who are laying it down. Andreas Jimenez and Jasmine Sanders from Our Climate. Andreas is from Green 2.0 and for full disclosure, I'm actually on the board of Green 2.0. So proud to be in that position, but as all you know here on The Coolest Show, uh, I'm a whole good old Andreas to the fire. So we're going we gonna to make sure that we're going to hear just as though I was walking off the street. So First and foremost to you both, welcome to the podcast.
0: Reverend. it's so uh, awesome to be here on the coolest show. We're, we're really excited and uh, really happy that Jasmine's been able to join us and, and really happy that you've been able to, to take time today to talk to us about these critical and important issues as always, my friend.
1: Well, well, on that note, let's kind of talk about you for a little bit. For those that don't know you yet, please tell the audience Who is Andreas Junis?
0: Well, Reverend, you know, just like everyone listening, just like you and Jasmine, uh, I wear a lot of different hats. I am a father. I am a husband. I am the executive director of Green 2.0. I'm an environmental advocate. I'm a planning commissioner. And I'm someone who is fighting every single day, just like you, Reverend, to make sure that people of color, the communities of color, not only have a seat at the table, but most importantly, have a voice.
1: Hmm. You know, I didn't know you were um, a father. You know that? All this all this time we've been hanging out. Uh, how many kids? You have one kid, two kids, 20 kids? I What's have on?
0: two beautiful, independent Powerful young women in my life, six and nine, Emma and Nora, and they are—they are what makes me motivated, passionate. Looking at them is the, is like looking into the future, Reverend, because the, all the work we're doing—not only is, is for the folks that are conti- that are continuing to struggle, but it's for future generations. And Jasmine obviously works so hard on youth engagement, and that is key. That is critical to the work we do and why we do this work. Well, I love that. I love that. Speaking of Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine. How are you?
2: Hi, Rev. I'm doing great. Happy to be here on this podcast. Um, I feel honored to be one of your guests. So um, loving that we're, we're talking today.
1: Yeah. Well, for the audience, who is Jasmine Saunders? And what is our climate?
2: Yeah. um, So I'm a native Louisiana. Um, I'm a fiance. I'm a mama. Um, I'm a daughter, a student, a leader, um, and a climate scientist, strategist, and advocate. Uh, Growing up in Louisiana, I saw the major impacts of um, from eutrophication to intensifying hurricanes and storms. Um, And for me, it was Katrina that changed the trajectory of my life. Um and I have been studying and researching all over the world, advocating on Capitol Hill for almost 10 years now. And I am the leader Ten of 10 years. Climate. Hold on, 10 years? I know I have a baby face, but don't <laughs> genetics are good. Genetics are good. Um, well, you
1: know we say now, you know, black don't crack now. You it know don't crack. I mean?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, So our climate is a climate change advocacy organization. We're empowered by youth grassroots movement. Um, We have a leadership development program working with fellows. These are um, students who are in high school and college. Uh, More than 50% of our student leaders are from frontline communities. Um, So we are very proud to make sure that we are uplifting not only young people's voices, but young people's voices that, um, have truly not been represented at the table and um, had their voices heard. So really happy to be um, partnering with Green 2.0, um, friends with Andres, and in this movement with you, Rev.
1: Well, we're going to get to that. Andres, let me ask you this question. I didn't ask you this earlier, but I, you should probably break this down. What is, what is Green 2.0?
0: That's a great question, and a great question for our listeners. Green 2.0 is a 501c3 nonprofit organization doing something that is unique in this space. We are holding foundations. We are holding organizations. We are looking at the administration and the Hill and holding them accountable, saying that without change, there cannot be accelerated change. Organizations, foundations, the Hill need to include communities of color. They need to include leaders of color, as I mentioned earlier, without a voice at the table. We can't go anywhere. We constantly hear what is true, that climate change impacts communities of color the most. What we're saying is, let's hear from those voices. Why are we not hearing from those voices enough? Where are the folks on the ground? Where are the voices from the leaders, from the communities? They need to have a voice. They need to be heard. And we need to change the environmental sector when it comes to how diverse it is, the voices we're hearing from, because without that, Reverend, we're going to continue to do the same thing. How can we continue in 2021? How can we continue this conversation without including those amazing stories, those painful stories, those stories of truth that are on the ground and in these communities? How can we continue to say, that we are pushing forward on climate change on environmental issues when we are turning our back as a sector and as a movement on the voices that matter the most.
1: Well, Andres, let me, let me ask you this question. And I want you to hear this hypothetical type of way that I'm putting this when I when I when I ask you this question. What if what if you were doing lemonade 2.0, and I ask you this question? Andres, why do you want uh, lemons in your lemonade? People would be like, isn't that how it's supposed to be? I mean, how else can you make lemonade without lemons? And so when I used to that opinion, you said that we want to include people of color, black, brown, and indigenous people of color, into something that they should already be included into. Then explain how we got to that point to the begin in the in the first place. How do we get to a part where we have lemonade with no limits?
0: Well, how did we get there? Well, we got there because of a of a structure of power. A structure of power that hasn't wanted to give up power, hasn't wanted to change, thinks that the old ways are working and that the old ways are the best ways. We haven't allowed, as in a movement and a sector, we haven't allowed leaders of color to be in charge, have a voice. And be the voice that changes the movement forward. We haven't allowed people of color to lead organizations, to lead foundations, to put amazing, powerful leaders on of people of color on boards. Why is this? That's a great question. It's 2021, and it's a struggle. And it's a huge surprise when a person of color actually becomes a leader of an organization in the environmental movement. That is sad. It is sad that we are so surprised when that happens. At this point, it should just be something that happens and occurs and it's wonderful and it's great and it's moving moving everything forward. But yet here we are. We have tons of organizations, we have tons of foundations who still are not transparent. Are not held accountable. Are not giving to those organizations that are helping communities of color that are run by people of color. We are still fighting for basic things in 2021 that should have happened, as you mentioned, at the very beginning. It should have happened a long time ago. How are we right now still having this basic conversation that says we should include communities of color and bring in leaders of color to this conversation? It blows my mind that we're on this podcast talking about this right now. It is wrong. And it is holding us back as a movement. We will not be able to have accelerated change the way we need to until we're hearing from those voices. And yet every single year, Green 2.0 does study after study, and we do, and we look at data, and we're finding the same thing. Are we changing a little bit? Are we moving forward? Yes, incrementally, but why? Why so slow? Why so little? And how can we applaud ourselves as a movement, as a sector, When we are just not doing what we should be doing, when the people in power are refusing to let go of that power, to give voices to those who need a voice, until that happens, until there is a culture change within foundations and organizations, in the administration, on the Hill, until there is a sweeping culture change, we will not be able to move forward. Are we getting better? Sure, little by little. But that's not enough, Reverend. It's not enough. Do we have amazing leaders out there working on this every day? Yes. We have amazing leaders from who have been working on this for 20, 30 years. We have an amazing leaders that are working on this now, but it's not changing fast enough. Why is that? Why is it that when some, a person of color is in power, they have to struggle? They have to fight. They have to cry to try to even match some of the funding that other organizations are given to get the attention that other organizations are given, it makes me, as you can tell, very upset. And it's critically important that this power structure changes. Well, we, we're going to get to that.
1: No, Green 2.0 has done a report and that's that is breaking and is important and is vital. And it's instructive. And we're going to get to that um, for you and and Jasmine to break down that report. But I just want to break down a few things before we get to that. Jasmine, you can hop into this question, too, here, Uh, you know, because the question really for you both then is in regards to is there a need to decolonize the environmental movement? Um, Is the environmental movement based upon myths, meaning a movement that is not only based upon trying to eradicate climate, but also holding up its own power structures? And so it becomes almost impossible in some cases to eradicate the crisis of what's going on in the environment when you are also trying to uphold the exact things that put that crisis in place. And last but not least, um how in the world can we have a system that obviously is hostile to us in the first place? Um why do we want to reform that at all? So I know there are you can pick and choose what you want on there. I actually, Jasmine, I'll start with you on that one, and then and then we're gonna we're gonna get to this report. Yeah,
2: um great question. Um As a black woman, I feel like I've always had to be in the room and be the one or the one of two. Um, It is how we have been brought up. Um, We're constantly in a survival mode. Um, Is it right? No, it's not right. Um, When George Floyd was murdered and the world heard, I can't breathe. That was not the first time that our people have said I can't breathe. We've been breathing in legacy emissions for decades upon decades and so we need to dismantle the system. That's even the system in the environmental movement um, itself. The environmental movement was not set up for black, brown, indigenous people of color. It was set up for um, a certain race, a certain gender, to thrive and, again, make different laws and policies that would be beneficial for them. And so it's very important for us to not stop. Um, our ancestors didn't stop. Our grandparents didn't stop. Our parents didn't stop. So it is our responsibility to keep going and to keep advocating and bring attention to it. Here's the data. You say that you're woke now. Well, the data is showing that you're not woke. The data is showing that you are only half asking.
0: Mm. Andres Yeah, I mean, completely agree Jasmine, and the question is are we how do we move forward? How do we change these systems? It's clear in this conversation that these systems need to change. The question in front of us is, well, how do those systems change? We've been trying, we've been looking, we have amazing leaders that have been working on this for years Dr. Bullard Dr. Taylor, Robert Rabin, Reverend Yearwood, we have the list goes on and on of amazing folks that are that are in the trenches fighting on this. The accomplishments made, we wouldn't be here today if 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 those amazing folks hadn't done what they've done and the work that they've done. But how do we move quicker? How do we move forward? You look at current voices, Nerea Garcia. Mark Magania, Dana Johnson over at WEAC, you know, we look at the work that Peggy Shepard again at WeAct's doing, just phenomenal. You look at the work that Jasmine's doing, for example. So many amazing leaders, right? I could go on and on. What can we do? And I think that that is kind of a, a simple answer. We need to have a system where we work together, where we partner, where we talk to one another, and I think that part of this and the amazing part of the of this show, Reverend, is that we're doing that. We're, you're doing this with the guests you bring on. We're doing this today. Green 2.0 last year had 59 new partners. The idea that the more groups, the more organizations and foundations that believe in this mission, this mission of bringing people of color to the table and giving them a voice, the more this message goes out, the more education goes with it. Part of the problem is a lack of education. A lot of folks don't even know what's happening. Go to the Hill and ask them, what is the landscape? Ask a staff or a member of Congress, what is the landscape of diversity right now? A lot of folks might say, I don't know. It's pretty good. It looks okay. I don't know. We're, we're pushing forward. They don't know. We need groups and foundations. We need to educate the administration, the hill. Education is key in to the success of changing the system. Until we have that, we have a big problem. And so the more partnerships, the more coalitions, the more we talk to one another in this sector and in this movement, the more this idea that change needs to happen, that it's critical, that we can't move forward until that happens, We are lost unless we are doing all of those things. Reverend, I always think that you can't just push or pull on one lever and expect change. You need to be pushing and pulling tons of different levers at once to really see an impact. And so, with the voice of Jasmine, with the voice of of the coolest show, with these kind of voices and so many others, green Latinos, Afro outdoors, Latino outdoors, for example. All of these organizations pushing on this critical, important mission that we need to diversify as a movement, that is a key part of what's actually going to bring about change. What else is going to bring about change is for organizations and foundations to, one, be transparent, because to me, and I, and I said it earlier, is how is it 2021 when we're still fighting to have organizations and foundations be transparent and accountability? Organizations and foundations need to know that there is an accountability to their, to the way that they are structured, to what they do. They have staff. They have members. They have volunteers and they deserve, they deserve to have these organizations and foundations care and prioritize diversity. Andres, and I and I want us to get to this report
1: because it's so important. But all this is also very important too, as you know. <laughs> this part of the conversation is very, very important for context. And so, and I want to ask you this question. I'm I'm gonna use the auditions that I work with. So, hip hop caucus. You mentioned this the coolest show. I don't want nobody to get mad about what this question. But to ask you now, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna use us. I know my team at the at the caucus and they're going to be okay. They, they, they may get mad. I don't think they're going to get mad, though, but I'm going to ask you the question now. This is the question. Um, you mentioned a lot of groups, and I mentioned, I'm going to please use Hip Hop Caucus and the coolest show as, as a reference point. Uh, in mentioning that, are we, in this process, are we the solution, or are we continuing the struggle? Are we in the field, as it would say back in the old days, or are we in the house? Are we making those feel comfortable and they will give us enough? They'll give us nice clothes and they'll give us a nice bed while our people are out in the field dying. And so are we in a position to, when you say, uproot the system and to dismantle what's going on? Are we really able to do that? when we're receiving their food and resources from them? Can we take down the house while we're in the house sitting at their table?
0: Wow. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's an interesting question. That's a, that's a hard question, but, but let's go through it. Let's answer it. Let's be honest today. Yeah. It's got to be a little bit of both. Reverend. No, it's just nice. the coolest shows what we do. It's got to be a little bit of both. Yeah. We need to both be in communication and partnering with these organizations and foundations, but we also need to hold them accountable, and it's a fine line of how you do that. I look at a perfect example of someone who's been able to do that, uh, Gloria Walton over at the Solutions Project. She demands to be heard. She demands equal funding. She demands and is not apologetic for doing that. That's a tough thing to do, Reverend. That's a very tough thing to do. It's a hard thing to do when you have a small organization, when you have staff, when you depend on foundations and organizations for, for money and for, and to be able to do the work you do. So can you go out and just kind of set the world on fire? It's tough because as you mentioned, we're dependent at the same time on a lot of these partners. We're dependent on a lot of, of the structure that's already been there. So to say we're gonna turn our backs and, and we're going to make sure that we are heard. It's tough to do that when you're not out there building partnerships with these groups and letting them know what's going on. What I've what I've gathered, and, and this might and I might be wrong, and I look at Jasmine, but my way of doing things is to extend a hand, to educate, to talk to folks. And most importantly, Reverend, it's to listen as well. Mm-hmm. We need to listen. And there's a lack of listening that happens uh, a lot of the time. And so I think that with a combination of saying, let's work together, let's educate you on why this is critical to your organization and foundation. This is why it's important for you to diverse- diversify, for you to hold diversity as a priority. It goes a longer, a farther way, a longer way than saying, the hell with you, we're not going to work with you. We know what your organization, your foundation's history or, or what you're working on or what you're doing or how you're doing it. We're not going to talk to you. We're going to close the door. What happens then is they say, sure, fine, go your way, we'll go ours, and they don't learn a single thing from it. If you sit down with them and you tell them why, it's critical for them to change, critical for them to listen, and how it impacts their staff, their, their volunteers, their members, and how it will impact them in the future. That, mm-hmm. to me, seems like a stronger way of dealing with this issue than turning our backs completely and setting the entire sector on fire. So it's just my belief and the way I practice things that let's extend a hand and let's, let's talk. Let's, let's listen, let's talk, let's, let's have these conversations and let's educate current staff, whether it's on the Hill, in the administration, foundations or organizations and say, instead of excluding you, let's come together because when you are sitting at the table, you might learn something today that you didn't know yesterday. And that might actually, hopefully, change the way you move forward. Is that too hopeful? Perhaps. But is it that the way that we are operating? that's the way we're operating today but I would definitely love to hear also from Jasmine on on no I, I want to hear from Jasmine
1: too I, I, I would to from Jasmine also Jasmine
2: um, that was a lot Andre so I'm trying to dissect everything you said in my head um you know the saying the home is where the heart is. Well, in my home, the kitchen is where the heart is. So I feel like we need to burn down the kitchen uh, when we're talking about dismantling the system because that's where everything is being cooked, thought of, you're in your creative mindset. um, And the system is not working for us, hasn't been. Um, And it seems like whatever we are doing, people are listening for a moment and then it stops. Uh, You know, think about um, all the marches last year, all of a sudden it got to about fall. I wasn't seeing really any more Black Lives Matter and 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 people wanting to discuss this and um, really bring up the connections between everything. Um, So we have to stay on people. We, we, we've got to dismantle it um, and we've got to create a new system that's going to make sure that it's beneficial for all of us. Um, I hear you when you were with your question and saying, well, are we continuing the problem? Um, and I don't think we're continuing the problem. I think we're doing what we've all been taught to do, which is to survive. And as human beings, as animals, we tend to flock towards people who are like us. Um, So in the organizations that Andres and yourself were mentioning, all those organizations, we tend to all look the same, you know? Um, We're going where we feel comfort, where we feel welcomed, where we feel included. Um, But there's so much work to be done. There's so much work to be done. And if we talk about philanthropy itself, you know, now we have funders who are wanting to give money to to leaders and whatnot. yet they're taking weeks and months to actually hit the button for the ach to come through. so that that's an issue. you 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 can't say, "I want to give you all of this money," and then you're you're having someone in a time crunch. that that's that is a issue um, for us. I'll, I'll pause there
1: well, listen, I, I want to thank both of y'all for your for your transparency. Um, I think this is why we need this report. This is such a, well, I wanted to give this context for this new, this new report from Green 2.0. This is not a game. Um, this is a very hard process we're in. And I wanted to just also frame it that we have to make some real decisions. And those real decisions are simply about the liberation of our people meaning that our people are struggling and dying. And if we have to decolonize a system that continues to put our people in a position, we look at ourselves too. Um, And so I think that if we are continuing to have these reports that are showing them not willing um, to engage us, then I think there, I think it speaks a lot. So Let's get to that report. Let's let's see just hear what's happening. So, folks, you can be here right now some breaking. We got a this report is coming out, and this will give us a frame of where we are. So, Andreas, you know, what is this new report from Green
0: 2.0? All right, let's get right into it. This is this is the exciting stuff right here. We're getting into the uh, the nitty-gritty as they say. So, Reverend, this is great. So, November 17th, Green 2.0 publishes its annual report. And boy, do we have a lot of changes this year. In the past, we've looked at top 40 foundations and top 40 NGOs and looked at them and said, are they being transparent as far as their hiring practices? Are they being transparent as far as their board placement? And this year, we decided to go a little deeper. And by a little, I mean a lot. We're asking more questions. We're asking more questions around diversity and taking a deeper dive in these questions. But here's the exciting important part, Reverend Herewood. We did away with the top 40. No more top 40. Because why? Because if you're the 40, if you're 41, you're like, phew, I don't I don't have to be accountable. We're good. I don't have to do it. You know, we we don't have to be audited this year. Well, that's not the way I look at things. So we have done away with the top 40. We have doubled the number of organizations we're looking at to 80. We are now looking at 80 organizations. We've added a feature where if you're not part of that 80, you are able to jump in if you want, if you're willing to, and submit that, that data. I'm really excited to say that both your organization and Jasmine's organization have participated. We're really excited about the findings. And so why did we change it aside from saying if you're 41 you're, you're you're in the clear. I want this report to do something very very important. And it's to give no excuses to organizations to say we're too small, we're too we're growing, we're too big to to care about this issue. So we took samples from small groups, medium groups, large groups to large NGOs we put them all together because we want to say, listen, at the end of the day, it can be done. Is it being done too quick uh, Quick enough? No. And we can get into that in a second. But can it be done? Can you be transparent? Can you show everyone your hiring practices, your board, and how it's growing or not growing? It can be done. There's no reason for it not to be done. And what we've seen in this year's report card is that there is a lot of groups out there who are willing to and excited to participate. So think about this. We have 80 groups. We went out and got 80 groups and said, will you be transparent this year? Out of those 80, I believe 67 of those groups said, yes, we're in. We're going to do this. We're ready. And then on the foundation front, we looked at it and said, are the promises made over the last year and two as Jasmine mentioned, the awful killings of so many wonderful people, of so many people whose lives shouldn't have been lost orally. Around that time, foundations all made promises. We're going to pledge to give to groups of color. We're going to pledge to give to groups that are run by people of color and working for communities of color. We're taking a deep dive and saying, is that true? Are you giving? Are you giving? And as Jasmine mentioned, is is the money going through? Is it going through at the right time when it's needed, is it going through where it's needed? I'm going to give you a quick, uh, a quick opening, uh, a, a glimpse of this report, Reverend. You're with the answer is no. I can't imagine you're too surprised, Desmond. I can't imagine you're too surprised either. No, foundations are not. They are not giving equally. They are not giving on time. They are not giving to organizations and leaders of color what is happening? In previous years, Green 2.0 looked at foundations and said, will you be transparent? Just last year, Evan, in last year's report, we asked 40 groups, 40 foundations, right? Out of those 40, you know how many said, we're just going to take this information that we already have and we're going to give it to you so we can be transparent, something I believe should be a very easy thing to do. 11 of of the 40 foundations last year asked were transparent. What happened to the rest? Where were they? We asked. They either didn't answer or had a lot of excuses. We can't do this because it's our board policy. We can't do this because it's our our foundation policy. That's nonsense. You're not willing to tell the public. You're not willing to tell your staff and those you fund what it looks like on the inside. You're not open up we're not willing to open up the hood just to say this is the way we operate. How do foundations continue to work on their mission, their culture, and their vision for the future when they can't even open up and say this is what's happening inside? Why is it that hard? I think the answer is pretty easy. They don't want us to know. They don't mm-hmm. want those the, their funding or not funding to come back and say why is this happening internally or oh, this is why organizations of color, leaders of color aren't being funded equally because it's the same old, same old within foundations. Are there exceptions? Yes, there are exceptions. Some foundations are doing a lot better. Some are hiring people of color, adding to their board. A lot of foundations in the last year have written statements into their mission Saying, this is how we're going to move forward. We're going to practice this. We're going to give this amount. It's because of other organizations pushing on foundations, other leaders pushing on foundations that this has happened. But going back to the original point, Reverend with this is not happening fast enough. These are small changes that aren't accelerating change. Mm. We're here to tell the story
1: that... No, no, what? Uh, Andres, I want to say, I want to first of all, I want to I let Jasmine to get in. I got so much to follow with you on that, as you can imagine, <laughs> on what you just said. I'm gonna let Jasmine get in because I got, I, I got some follow up on that. Jazz, your thoughts on this report?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I feel like data tells the story. Um, I think we can, we can always say a lot of words, but. As a scientist, I like to look at your data. So, you know, are your words matching up with what's actually going on? Um, And it's not, you know, um, there's there's been a lot of talk, as Andre said, over the past year, and it's not matching up. Um, Why is that? I don't know. Uh, Were people listening to their DEIJ consultants? Did they hire a DEIJ consultant? Have they even um, talked to groups, had listening sessions, asked them about what their needs are? Are we actually wanting in the philanthropy world to give general operating support? Um, And, you know, I think it's really vital for people to know it doesn't matter what size organization you are. Uh, it is important for us to be diverse across the board. It is important for us to prior- prioritize diversity. Um, it is important for not just philanthropy to be giving the money, but are you diverse within your own organization? What, why, are you trying to, why are you trying to hide that? that? That's the big question in my head is what is so wrong with you actually reporting what it's like? We, we already know I can go to your website, meet the team, click on it. I see. So why is it so hard for you to report the numbers when Andres' team reaches out to you? What, what's so hard about that? Is it because you know you're being held accountable? Is it because you know others are going to be reading a report so you're on spotlight? And right now we're in a time where people are being called out? I don't know. That's only for them to answer.
1: No, I think I think he may know Jazz. I think that. I think he may, I think I think actually you may know. I think you asked a as a scientist, I think you asked a rhetorical question, but I think you I think you may have a good inclination of what's gonna come out on the end of this process. Andres, let me say this to you. I wanna just thank you again for all that you have done. I want to say I'm so proud of Green 2.0. And for those who are listening right now, I want you know that on the coolest show, this is the third season. And it's actually this is actually this episode here is we're actually bringing the third season and we'll have the fourth season coming back in 2022. I say all that because since the inception of The Coolest Show, we have each season had the report given from Green 2.0. So season one, season two, and now in season three. I think in season two, we had it twice. There was another report that was given back in season two. It was two reports that was given. And so let me just say this to those who are listening. So I have been for, to the beginning of this show, um, which um, has been going on for quite some time now. And we've had hundreds and hundreds of, of interviews. Uh, each each season, we have had the amazing Green 2.0 present. Um, this is actually before even Andres became the ED. So the, the previous ED um, who was on here reporting out. So let me just say this. These numbers that Andres is presenting now, are the almost, while there is improvement, there is no great improvement based upon what we were from the original numbers. And there have been reports about from the funding standpoint and also on the makeup of the big green organizations. Green 2.0 did a report after it showed how little these groups were expanding. They They did a report that actually showed how miserable a place it was for BIPOC, uh, Black, Brown, and Indigenous people of color to work in these places, that they literally, people of BIPOC communities were literally wanting to save the planet, but were losing their lives in these organizations. And so they did a report on how much it was a, re- a revolving door, how it looked like people were coming into the organizations and then leaving. So I just want to say this, Green Group does a phenomenal job. Of doing the research, so this isn't new. So we're talking about reaching out to these foundations, many of them who are celebrated, and these organizations. This isn't some new fly-by-night report or organization. I need you to understand that now. That Green 2.0 has been having the same mission, same vision. Talk. It ain't like and, and Andrea said he, they've expanded the numbers. This ain't no large sample size there ain't no 4,000 uh, foundations. this is this is under 100 under 200 and so you know literally a, a, a small sample size and giving them the benefit of the doubt to respond and they are not responding. So andreas, at this point now that you said that it is not the improvement, what do we take from that? Now tell me, because you know I'm not here to play no games with nobody. And I and what I take from that is this: these folks really don't want to support our communities. These folks don't really care if our folks die or live. And so I gotta be in a position here where what does that mean for me to sit around with them? How else can we find resources? Do we need a green 3.0? We've talked about that before, uh, in many other settings. Do we need another system? that uplifts us. So tell us now that when we have this, this ain't new. This ain't new information. This data provides a context that we need change. So what are the logical conclusions and next steps right now?
0: It's a great question. What are are the conclusions? The conclusions are very much what what Jasmine said earlier, that, that foundations, don't care enough, organizations aren't moving fast enough. And so how do we bring about that change? How do we work with the conclusions and the data that we have to bring about change? How do we make it so that next year's report looks different in a good way from from, from the previous year's report? Well, let's be pretty honest here. I mentioned that foundations year to year from report card to report card Aren't changing. They're not getting better. Organizations are being more transparent. Organizations are being held accountable. There are consequences, and as we've seen in the last year and a half, to organizations who aren't diversifying, aren't listening to their staff. I'm gonna name a bunch of groups. And and let's take it from there. Union of concern you. scientists, Sunrise. There are Other groups, Sierra Club, there are other groups, Audubon, they have come under fire in the last year. There have been issues with staff. There have been issues with this critical problem of diversity. Many of these organizations not only have realized that there are consequences, but these consequences have brought change. And it's brought change at the leadership level. Take a look at the Union of Concerned Scientists. Their new head, Johanna Shao krellick is there to make change. She's there to say, no more. We're not going to continue to run this organization the way it has been run. Over at Sierra Club, they're going through a time of change as well. They've looked at their past. They've talked about it openly, and it's caused there to be change. We haven't seen the final outcome of what that change is, but organizations, I think, for the first time in a long time, if ever, are facing public scrutiny and scrutiny from the inside, from their staff and members, and that is key. We at Green 2.0 constantly hear from staff, members of Congress, staff from Congress. But I'll say, most importantly, the staff from these organizations are reaching out to us and they're saying, this is happening internally. This task force that was put in place, it's just for foundations to look at and say, we're working on this, but doesn't mean anything. We're hearing from staff who are leaving organizations because they're not being heard. We're hearing from staff who are gathering other staff to try and make change internally. We're hearing from staff that are sad, they're frustrated, and it's too much, too much for them to handle. And this is horrible, but it shows the importance of an organization like Green 2.0 because we're here to listen and we're here to push on this critical and timely issue and say enough's enough. This change hasn't happened and it needs to happen, and you're not moving fast enough. Why? Why aren't you moving fast enough? Is it because of the leadership that Jasmine talked about earlier? Reverend, one thing I do when I when I talk to some of the presidents and CEOs of the organizations is I go afterwards and I and I look at their leadership page. I think the leadership page tells quite the story. Some organizations will talk and talk about how they're so invested in diversity and having leaders, diverse leaders at the top of their organization, but go to their leadership page and it tells you a completely different story. What they're telling me are just talking points because the truth, the actual truth of the kind of leadership they have and want is is a much different story. Not many women, barely any, if at all, people of color. And yet, what I'm hearing from these leaders of these organizations is, oh, we value their voice. We value your voice. We value the voice of so many diverse leaders. No, you don't. Where are they? Why are they not your VP, your comms lead, your your presidents and CEOs? Why? And it goes back to earlier, this idea of power and power structure and the fact that none of them, None of these groups that are fully run by white, old men want to relinquish the power that they have. They are not going to actually do something about it other than have talking points about why they care. Are there groups, though, as I mentioned with foundations, are there groups out there, though, that are trying and working toward changing? There are. There's no point in sitting here and throwing every single organization under the bus because there are some good ones. I mean, take a look, for example, at, at, you know, we talk a little bit about Sierra Club, but Ramon Cruz is running Sierra Club as the president of the board. That's fantastic. That's a huge change. You know, you have organizations run even by white men and women that are bringing into that leadership circle people of color. And so we can't sit here and just say, They're all bad, lump them all into one kind of bucket. We have to show that it can be done for others to do it. And we have to call out those groups that are doing a good job or working on it. I've always said, Reverend Yearwood, it's one thing to work on this issue and stumble or not get it fully right, but at least you're working on it. The groups that quite honestly disgust me are the ones that just completely turn their back on this issue and say, This is just a a thing of the moment. This will pass and then it'll be business as usual. Those are the groups. Those are the organizations that I honestly can't even wrap my head around that they would do that to their staff, to the mission, to the culture of their organization, because it's wrong. It needs to change and it never should have been there in the first place. And Leaders like that these organizations
1: are not leaders at all. Andres, I want to thank you for your diplomacy. I want to thank you for who you are um, and how you're putting that. I know you're very passionate. This is why I'm so glad to be with you in this process. But I need to take this one step further. Um, I'm going to ask you this question about what kind of resourcing we need to make a change. Um, So get that kind of your thoughts around that question. But before you answer that question, let me say this, because I kind of feel like the big brother who is sitting home and his sister walks into the room crying and she's crying because some boys or some folks have picked on her. And so me being a little older, I'm going to go out there and find them boys and be like, who's picking on my sister? And so, one of the things here in doing this work, I know how hurtful it has been for Black and Brown and Indigenous people to work in these places. I know how they've gone home and cried in their pillow because they at a job that should be that they want to be at, and they have been dehumanized, belittled and put down for so many reasons. I want to talk about when these funders have forced groups to literally do triplicate, triplicate uh, uh, four binders of, of, of a, of a proposal made them do all that for just a little bit of money. When others have written on napkins, as they say, to get literally you know, millions of dollars. I want to talk about how people have been used and brought in to give all their intellectual genius and given nothing for it. And this, how they feel riding home on the bus, looking at their bank account when it's negative $20. I want to speak for them, Andres, over the pain that these folks have caused through their privilege. I need them to feel that right now. And you have caused pain. Whatever world you're trying to save, you are hurting us right now in the present. Like you are hurting us. And you are in many cases not doing things we got to do. And we want this report is another, another chance to get it right. Like it's another chance that what Green is saying, like, come on, get it right. We know what you've done, but you can fix it. You can do what's right now moving. don't play games with this. get right, fix it. It may be hard on you, but you can't ask the world to transition from fossil fuel to clean energy if you ain't willing to transition. And so, Andreas, what kind of resources would it take to make a change?
0: Well I think the resources are can come in all sorts of different ways. For example, as you've mentioned many times and thank you. The Green 2.0 report card that comes out November 17th, you can go to diversegreen.org to to download that or at Diverse Green on Twitter. Uh, That's one resource. We have Green 2.0 puts out other resources like our first ever diversity guide for internal foundations and organizations. But the question you just asked, wow, there's so much there, Reverend. And And the thing that I want to step back on for a second and probably open up a can of worms here is is it, was it intentional and is it intentional? The foundations make organizations led by people of color fight amongst themselves, fight for these scraps of money when other organizations, bigger organizations, organizations not run by people of color for helping communities of color. We have to do everything in the world to get the attention and then get these scraps from these foundations. And then fight amongst each other or argue or, or just have to claw our way to this money when others don't have to do that. Why is it? What was it set up this way? Is that the point? And, and that's, that's mind boggling. That's hard to, to fathom. It's hard to swallow. But to be quite honest, Reverend, I think that the system of giving here in this country from foundations overall, has been made to help those big organizations that have been around and not help every organization that's led by people of color. There's no way that that can be true. There is no way that these foundations are helping and finding ways to make it easier for organizations led by people of color to have the funds they need to do the work they need to do. By the time we've gone through, and other groups have gone through hurdles, hurdles to try to get this money, is it too late? Is the fiscal year over? Was the money given on time? Was the money given when it was needed? The answer is no. Why is that? What can we do? What can we honestly do with foundations? We need to hold them accountable. How do you do that? How do you hold a foundation accountable when at the end of the day, these foundations are, the, are holding the checkbook. With organizations, there's a way to, to hold them accountable. You go to Congress and you say, Representative Gravalvo, before you talk about public lands or ocean work with these groups, ask them what they look like internally. What is their makeup? What is their mission? What is their culture? You can't do that with foundations. You can't hold... A foundation accountable the way you can for an organization. Now, how do you get to that point? I think you look at different pledges that are out there, different action items. You look at the makeup of these foundations, and you try to highlight what's going on that isn't right. You try to fix it. You try to bring in staff to these foundations that are diverse so that they can be the ones letting others and educating others on what's actually happening. It's a hard job. The found getting into the foundation world and making the foundation world accountable is tough. And we're all working on trying to figure out what is that magic recipe? What is that perfect lemonade taste like? What can we do to change the way foundations operate? The way foundations give the way foundations look at their not one year, not three year, five to 10 year programs and say, this is how we want to fund moving forward. It's tough. Jasmine, what are your thoughts on all this? I
1: mean, talk talk to me here, Jasmine. You know, I'm also from Louisiana, as you know. And so, you know, I'm your big brother. You just came and told me all this report. You know, you know what I'm about to do. So talk me down here, Jasmine. Talk me down here. What she does say? Hold up. You're going to be like, hold up, Rand Say say something to me, Jasmine. Or let me go. uh what you going to do? What's going on right I'd now?
2: I'd let you go and do your thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> to I get be quite it. honest. I, I <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like um, I, I, feel, I feel a lot of things right now while Andres was talking. Um,
1: yeah, no, no. Um, this, this right here. Let me say this, y'all. Y'all listening, y'all probably can't see it and feel it, but right now I hope you do feel it. There's a lot of emotion right now between me, Andres, and Jasmine. We 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 are saying things that are affecting us as we're talking. I hope you feel that. But Jasmine, go ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, foundations. Last time I checked, they were created to give away money, and mm-hmm. you know, give it away. <laughs> it's just not for them to keep. Um, that's that's why families created them in the first place um and so I often wonder to myself is there some secret club that I'm missing out on you know what what bar or restaurant was I supposed to be at so I could write my number down on a napkin and it could just be in the bank account the next day I'm I'm wondering that's what I wonder to myself um it is a very real thing. And I'm a growing organization. I like to call it medium, um, And so writing reports, writing proposals themselves, from foundation proposals to government funding proposals. I mean, we looked at some government funding proposal. It was 20-something pages for the proposal. And then you want us to write more when we moved on to the next round. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. And when you're trying to make change and make an impact, and we all know that we don't have time, what is the holdup with the money for us to be able to do this? What's the holdup? But our counterparts, that money is flowing. It's flowing real quick, real quick-like. So what are those resources we need? We need people who are actually going to have the money that is just going to flow. We need to make sure that we are giving back into our own communities. Um, And I say that to say that a lot of these big organizations, they have the funding and the budget to be able to do these, you know, pass through grants, these micro grants. Well, There's other organizations that are medium, medium, and small who work with local partners, such as our climate, you know, us working on both national and state levels. We have different partners. Our budget, however, it is not to the point where we're able to do pass-through grants. But if this funding was actually given, I'm talking about huge, unrestricted general operating money, then we we would be able to do that. We want sustainability. We want where, you know, there's funding for a year or two. That's how you're setting up the organizations for success. That's how philanthropy can be helpful to us.
1: Hmm. My, my, my. Andres, how can we use this report in movement spaces and practices to move forward?
0: The Green 2.0 report card that comes out November 17th can be used in many different ways, but I think one of the biggest one is for education purposes. It's for organizations and foundations to take an internal look. We've heard for years that they, that organizations take this report and they, and they look at it, they go through it, they talk with their staff about it. We need that to continue, but we need organizations and foundations and partners to help push this report out. Because the more this report is out there, the more this is disseminated, the more people read and learn about the actual landscape of of diversity in the environmental sector, the more they're going to be like, whoa, what's happening here? What is actually happening? And it's surprising and interesting to learn just how many folks don't know. They just don't know, Reverend. They don't know that we aren't moving fast enough, that we're not diverse enough, that we aren't. As a sector, as a movement, we're not running quick enough. We're not accelerating change. We're almost standing still.
1: Hmm. I'm gonna, This is my last question. Thank you all so much for this powerful, powerful, powerful conversation. Jasmine, so how can we, or actually for you, Jasmine, how, how can we keep up with your work and how can we support you? Um, that's just such an important, because I think that one thing the producers of the of the coolest show would say that we got to figure out new ways for us, um, our own funding streams. But maybe we, we got a good audience here at the coolest show, and so and you know they they had been known to dig into their pocketbooks, and we need to build more of that. So how how can they keep up with you? Tell them about obviously our climate, how you know the website and all that, you know all that good stuff. All and, that good
2: stuff, yeah.
1: And how that can support you?
2: Yeah um so first head over to www.ourclimate.us phenomenal website um click that donate button become a monthly sustainer Um, that's a wonderful way to help us from a financial point of view um also look into volunteering with us um you can follow our climate social media it's at our climate leaders Uh, follow us on instagram and twitter You can personally follow me at Jazzy Climate, J-A-Z-Z-Y Climate. Um, And I I think one of the key things um, of being supportive of um, leaders, um, specifically um, leaders who are women of color, is um, speak about us in other rooms, Um, any room you're in. um, Be sure to spread. The word around about the work that we are doing and the organizations that we are working for. We need support. So, Rev, you, you gave that question of about Big Brother. Yeah, that's what Big Brother can do. Um, because a lot of times you can feel very siloed um, as, as a leader, um, as a leader who's a person of color.
1: Well, you know, you, you, you got a big brother over here. So let that, let that be known there, Jazz. You know what I'm saying? Let that be, let that be known. That was Jasmine Sanders of our climate. Andres, same thing for you. How, how can we find and keep up with Green 2.0? How can we support Green 2.0? You mentioned how we can find a report, but can we support the organization itself?
0: You can, and thank you again for having us, Reverend Irwin and Jasmine. It's so awesome to always get an opportunity to chat with you. But you can go to @DiverseGreen on Twitter. You can go to diversegreen.org. You can follow me at Andres for Change on Twitter. And so, lots of ways to to follow us to help push our report out, to help push out future reports, and learn more about just where we are when it comes to diversity in the environmental sector and movement. How can you support us if you're a foundation out there? If you're an individual donor, if you're a large donor, come to our website. We also have a donate button. The more this message at the end of the day goes out, the more education there is around what's happening, how critical it is, the more we'll be able to impact and make change because whether it's our climate, whether it's the Hip Hop Caucus, whether it's Green Latinos, Afro Outdoors, whatever the organization may be. We all need to be paying attention, listening, working on these issues because it impacts all of us. And as going all the way back to the very beginning, I have two young daughters. I want them to live in a better world, a more diverse world where their voices won't be shut down. And to do that, we all need to partner together and work on these issues.
1: I wanna wanna thank you both. Um, for your transparency. I want to thank you for bringing forth forth this report uh, from Green 2.0. I want to thank donors of color who we've had on early on in the season who said the exact same thing um, through their report and many others. But I want to thank you both for what you're doing and we will continue to fight um, and we will do what we have to do. And that is Andres Jimenez from Green 2.0 and Jasmine Sanders of our climate. And I am Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a nonprofit project. Thank you for listening and
0: all power to the people. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.